All right, everybody, what's up? What I love about Wednesdays, new podcast app days. So, you've already heard my story, and you heard the story of Sean Keys. Two very different stories, but from two people that were very far along in their recovery journeys. What I want to do today is switch gears a little bit. Let's hear a recovery story in honor of Borderline Personality Disorder Awareness Month from someone who is still in the recovery journey. Someone who's overcame a lot of hurdles, but still has a long way to go. I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. All right, so today on the show we have Devin Green, and she's going to share a little bit of her recovery journey, and Devin is actually still in the process of recovery. So I'm excited to have her on today because she'll be able to tell those of you that are just starting out or who are in the middle of their journey kind of what she's been going through. Welcome, Devin. Hi. Hey. Uh, I, I I definitely think I'd be a good example. I'm, I'm still learning a lot. But I've come to a point where um, I'm, I'm past a lot of the main struggles that I think a lot of people have. Um, it's still hard. Yeah, it's still a process every day, and not every. It's not like every day I'm great at it. Um, but I, um, I'm 24. I have been with my fiance for what will be five years this June, and we have a three and a half year old daughter who definitely gives me a run for my money uh, in terms of my recovery and everyday <laughs> life. Um, I was diagnosed when I was 18 years old, and the, the feelings were very double-sided. Like, extremely. What do you mean? On one hand, I was ecstatic that I finally figured out what was going on with me and why I didn't really fit into anything else in, in the diagnosis world. Right. Um, were you diagnosed with, like, other things before you were diagnosed with that? I mean, like, the obvious stuff, you know, depression, um severe depression, uh, severe anxiety. But at that point, like, it wasn't really anything. Nobody wanted to diagnose a 17-year-old. I mean, I had just turned 18. So I was, I was, you know, 17 when I was really heavy in therapy and trying to figure it all out. Um, there was the possibility of bipolar but it never like fit 100% like there was always something that like it didn't make sense you know for big aspects of bipolar disorder that I should fit into if I did have bipolar disorder right Um, so I was always very confused with that but I was never officially diagnosed with bipolar Um, and then I had been working with that therapist at the time who did diagnose me with borderline for almost three years um and 
and it was it wasn't actually her that first showed it to me it was uh, a lifelong best friend who was also doing um therapy work and hers was a, a little bit different she had to um do a lot more homework and like research and we were both psych nerds um and she came across borderline and she was like oh my god this is Devin and um her mom was actually uh sort of like a sponsor to me at the time okay um in recovery because I was I was getting over a very serious self-harm addiction I needed it I craved it um and her mother had gone through very similar things as, as well as alcohol, uh, alcoholism and, and all that stuff and her own recovery. So they actually sat down with my mom who then sat down with me as well. They called me into the room. They wanted to like show this with me. They didn't want to just, you know, go into it. Um, and I was like, Oh my God, like this makes so much sense. We, we looked at everything and I, I hit, I think eight out of the nine prerequisites. Yeah. And it was insane. I had never hit like any prerequisites like that before. Um, so then immediately I went to my therapist the next day and I was like, Claire, if you can tell me right now, do I have borderline personality disorder? And we had a really good relationship. She was just like, (laughs) uh, so here's the thing. I didn't want to say anything for another six months because you just turned 18 and uh, you know the whole spiel about how they don't like to diagnose people under 18 because of you know personality development and stuff I shit you not though I had this my whole life yeah 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 like 100 percent um and we laughed about it a little bit so it was like it was so nice to finally have the answers Mm -hmm. on the other hand though I immediately went into research like OCD style research um I had to know everything every dark crevice and corner of this disease oh my gosh I feel like so many people have been there I've definitely been there all of the forums, all of the articles, YouTube videos by psychiatrists, psychologists, the argument of, is it even really a thing? Can you recover? Ugh. No, you can't recover. Well, I guess you can because it's not really a thing. Um, right. <laughs> um, uh, looking at, like, what other people were feeling about this, reading um, memes, I guess, of, like, jokes of, like, BPD things especially on Tumblr because I was in my dark teenage (laughs) (laughs) shit. Um, And there were nights that, like, I would just, like, be up late in this wormhole, like, crying because I can't recover from this. This is horrible. And, like, reading, like, new little things here and there that, like, it was like, oh, fuck, I have that problem. What do I do? Yeah. Um, so it was it was very it was a conundrum. That's a lot. Is that that was six years ago, you said? Yeah, six years ago. Wow. So what did after Claire told you that you had BPD, she like let the cat out of the bag or she confirmed it. 
Yeah, she pulled out the DM5, uh, and she was like, let's go on with the test. And once again, eight out of eight out of nine prerequisites. Well, did she change the therapy that she was doing at the time? Or, you know, like, how did... Because it sounds like you really went dark after you found out. You know, even though you were relieved to have had an answer, you know, what kind of therapy did you have? Because that was six years ago. So now, you know... I'm yeah. over here curious, like, what, how did six years pass and nothing changed for you until this year? Right? One, because there's absolutely so much telling you that, like, there's nothing. So there was a lot of acceptance. I mean, like, there was depression about it, but there was definitely, like, to a certain degree, acceptance and learning to live with it because that's all I thought I could do. Um... I don't really remember having that conversation with her about like, could I overcome this or not? Um, Bless her heart. I definitely think she probably did try to change my therapy a lot. Um, But I was, (laughs) I was, I was crazy. Um, I, (laughs) I, I think I definitely like controlled that room when I was in it, you know? if that makes sense. Oh, just talking about, I needed so much time to talk about what had happened in my life in that last week that I didn't, I don't think I even gave her the chance to put aside that time to talk about actual therapy tools that we needed to use. It's so honest. I've done that. You know, I know I've done that before too. Yeah. You just keep talking and talking and talking, right? Because one person that has to listen. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Wow, that's fascinating. So this is interesting, and I don't, we haven't told listeners yet, but I have been Devin's mindset coach for, I don't, it hasn't been that long, right? It was, well, I would say October. Since October. So, you know, since October, things have sort of changed for Devin. So maybe you can tell, you know, yeah. I guess people a little bit about, you're, you have, you, you do have a therapist too, though. I right? do. You. Um, so I, I had stopped going to therapy after Claire. I, um, I went to school about two hours away and it was just too hard to keep up. Um, and then it, I, when I was at school, I really found a family of sorts. Um, so my BPD, well, <laughs> it wasn't on the forefront of my mind anymore. Um, It was definitely still affecting me 100%. Um, But I definitely think for the year and a half that I was there, um, I was able to have a more normal life. Um, Sophomore year, I met Anthony. Uh, He did not go there. It was actually the summer before sophomore year. And it was a long-distance relationship, and I ended up getting pregnant. (laughs) Uh, It's the end of my uh, winter semester, sophomore year. And uh, had had a falling out with my favorite person, which I know a lot of people on this podcast are going to resonate with. Um, I guess, like, in, like, BPD terms, it's definitely something very real for me. I, I... I have that magnetic force in me that draws me to that person that I love so much. Um, and I do have multiple, it goes through changes, but, uh, my roommate, my best friend, 
Um, I had a falling out with her. Um, I was jealous of a new friend that she had made who I knew wasn't a great person and I didn't want her to get hurt. Um, and it was where it was wrong of me to get jealous and, you know, try and say, this is not okay for you to do. Like, she's going to fuck you up. (laughs) Um, I needed to, I, I needed to let her know, but I also needed to step back and let her figure it out for herself. But we were both in like a very hard time in our lives that we just weren't willing to hear each other. So my, my roommate, we woke up one day, we had been fighting for weeks and she told me she was leaving our room and moving in with the other girl. Oh, wow. Talk about abandonment issues. Oh yeah. That's your FP. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I left school. I did not know I was pregnant yet. Oh, you left school over that. Yes. Yes. It was bad. Yeah, I'm trying hard not to laugh, because, like, what I know oh, about Devin funny. now, like, it is kind of funny, right? That's so intense. That's BPD right there. That is it, it is, in a nutshell. It why I wanted to bring it up. That was a very, like, that's when the BPD really started wreaking havoc on my life. Wow. Now, at the same um, time, it's, like, you know, really devastating to know that you were so impulsive and just felt so rejected and so abandoned by this girl that you yeah. up and uproot your whole life path. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. So I left school. That was probably um, November, like right after Halloween. Um, found out I was pregnant right before Christmas. Um, I, I had immediately gotten a job when I got got home, and around March I had to stop working doctor's orders I was basically put on bed rest on and off throughout my whole pregnancy so it was very hard on my mental health um and then you know work you know started from the bottom coming up um it's very um it was, it was hard financially, so I had to stay home with our daughter. Right. Uh, and then I got absolutely horrible postpartum depression and anxiety. Um, I had to be hospitalized. Um, I did not think me and my fiancé were going to make it. We weren't engaged at the time. Um, there were days that I didn't even know if I was going to make it as a mother. I was very suicidal. Yeah. Uh, so I went into intensive outpatient therapy again <laughs> for the third time in my life for six to seven weeks. I can't fully remember. Is that a BPD specific or is it a postpartum? Postpartum specific. Okay. Postpartum. Uh, postpartum specific. Um, and then... After that, I wouldn't say that. It, I mean, it got me through the worst of it, but I definitely still had a lot of wounds open from that period of time. I was able to move past the postpartum depression, though. Um, I had a very difficult time bonding with my daughter. It, it's not the, oh, I want to hurt my kid. There's no feelings like that whatsoever. It was, for me, it was all the um, extremely intrusive thoughts of everything bad that could happen to my daughter. Yeah. Um. 
and then I would get anxiety about all I couldn't make it stop and then I would get angry because my (laughs) you know Rose my anxiety um comes out in anger and then I would feel so guilty about my anger that I would go into a depression and it was just the same cycle over and over and over again right so it was postpartum mixed with a little BPD or no I'm sorry it was BPD mixed with postpartum postpartum. Yeah. yeah yeah um and then at that point in time like I just couldn't really find a therapist that I connected with um my old therapist Claire was not in uh the state anymore she had moved with her family um uh and then life just kind of went on for a little while um it wasn't great at all but it it was manageable I guess I I, I don't even know if I would say manageable it was manageable in a sense of well it's just not a good time to talk about it right now so just go on with life that's just how it is right um and then uh last year around this time my father who is not in my life anymore but was at the time uh I found him relapsed of drinking and that triggered a lot for me a lot of PTSD that I had uh pushed down very deep Mm -hmm. and um I don't know uh I it wasn't the drinking that made me stop talking to him I had initially said like listen like I need space do not talk to me unless I talk to you um I don't want to stop our relationship because it was already a troubled relationship we had only been talking for about a year again at that time right um uh but I need space and you need to give me time and I had family issues going on with other stuff and uh, household issues, um, not with my fiance or my daughter, just other family crap. And, um, my dad was involved and he just, my dad is the alcoholic who he's very narcissistic. He has conspiracy theories that he will never let go of. My parents have been divorced since I was nine. They mm-hmm. separated when I was seven or eight. And my two sides of my family do not get along at all you know neither of them can do no right and so my dad and his side of the family likes to seriously beat up my mom's side my dad's side was always very abusive and whereas my mom's side of the family might not have been perfect they had shit to deal with but they always had my back 100% so he started talking about his conspiracy theories again, saying horrendous things about my mom, my mom's side of the family. And I was just done. I was just done. Uh, I had told him multiple times, we don't need to have these conversations. If you want to have a relationship, agree to disagree. Let's act like it's politics. We don't talk about it. Yeah. That's he a good boundary. I was trying. Right. You know, I, my daughter in my life, I want her to know my father. I did love my father. Um, yeah. Um, but it just wasn't great. So that all that uncovered a lot of PTSD. And I 
I was going through so much over the summer emotionally that I ended up losing like 60 pounds. Wow. Um, but my emotional state was just getting worse and worse. I now have a two-year-old turning three-year-old who's pushing every limit, um, needing more from me that I don't know how to give. Yeah. Um, and I was just, I was losing my mind. So I started seeing my therapist who specializes in DBT. Uh, Julie in August right after my daughter's birthday and um, she really did start that um, that recovery process she kick-started it I had never done DBT before it was I don't know why but it was very hard to find a therapist that would do DBT with me and my insurance um and you know, it was going great and everything, but there, and there was just one issue that Julie could not help me with. And that was my parenting. She did not have any kids. Um, so, you know, while she knows a lot of the psychology about it, she went to school for it. She, you know, she has her doctorate. It was, it, it just, it wasn't, we weren't connecting there. Yeah. And not in a bad way. You know, um, that's fair. Julie's great. You know, she really, the, with the two of you helping me, I, I, I don't, I don't think I would even like be here right now. Fair. Um, and then I started looking for, with her help, um, uh, you know, parental guidance therapists and, and coach coaches. Um, and, <laughs> I stumbled across Rose and um, it was the the best choice I ever made. It's scary. She's very hard on me. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that um, interesting? So I met you for our, for parenting. So we can talk a little yeah. bit about that. So I was, I have that, uh, another business, Thrive. Well, the only business is Thrive Online Counseling. And at the time I started doing... I work with people with depression, anxiety, couples, parents, not just people with BPD. Um, so I had started doing like in-home parenting stuff, right? Like, I don't know, a few months before because it was just very successful for me because I had to learn how to reparent myself and my own son. So I have a kid. So then that's how I think Devin ended up finding me. And I had something on my psychology today about borderline personality disorder, but I wasn't quite... Just in, like, the treating, like, the the thing. Right, but I didn't wear it on my sleeve. It's not like you knew what you know about me yeah. now. So that was one thing, like, Devin didn't know she was walking into a parenting coach who also... I think she might have borderline. She keeps hinting at it. And I don't want to just, like, ask, because I know boundaries with therapists and coaches and everything. But right. I swear to God, she has it. And then finally, I just lay it out on the line. Well, listen, you know, parenting, coaching someone who is trying to become a better parent or who is from a relationship and like two people are on different pages, that's way different than coaching someone who has borderline personality disorder, who has a child because, you know, you were never nurtured and parented as a kid, right? No. And yeah. I don't think I even really realized that until you know, I was working with you and you were showing me what, what nurturing is. Yeah. Okay. So that's how 
I sort of came upon working with Devin is more through parenting coaching and then the borderline personality disorder just it just can't be ignored <laughs> it just could not be ignored no yeah. no it could not it was bad yeah so tell us a little bit about what parenting with BPD was like and you know go from there it was horrible it was absolutely horrible I mean I would I would cry to my fiance that I felt like such an abusive parent and to the point where I had worked up this very real fear like it was real in my mind I was waiting every day for like CYS to knock on my door I didn't hit her I would never I would never I mean spanking when it's deserved yes um but verbally and emotionally I could not cater to those needs and I would just get anxious and like I said earlier my anxiety immediately comes out as like fight in fight or flight mode I get angry and (laughs) I get BPD angry um I am a very angry borderline no (laughs) just laughing (laughs) um (laughs) Devin is a very angry borderline. I can, well, you know, I don't know. Like, I think that you've come a long way where I don't know if you entirely meet the diagnosis, you know, but like still with the temperament. Yeah, you do get very angry. Very angry borderline. Yeah, yeah. If you see my borderline come out now, it's still probably when I'm angry. Um, it, I just, I would just, like, yell, like, in frustration, like, and over-talk completely, like, expect her to have this conversation with me because I'm angry and you're causing me to have these emotions. Validate them to a two-year-old. Yeah. That's so messed up. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, when I say that, like, I... I am not judging anybody that, you know, is still having that issue. I am not one to talk at all. Um, I still, especially with this quarantine, like, you'll see it come out, and I have to stop myself. Um, But, you know, going back to what it was like, it was was erratic. I I just, probably in every way of parenting, there was at least one type of way for that that I could not give her what she needed. I couldn't nurture her. I mean, yeah, I can, I can cuddle with you. I can tell you I love you. That's I had that too, but that's not... I thought that's what nurturing was. It's not. Um, it's knowing when to not rescue her and and when the right time is to hold her hand. Right. Um, it's unconditional love, right? Yeah. Which... You know, I think that right there is the biggest and hardest part of parenting when you have borderline personality disorder because you don't have, no one loved you unconditionally. I have to take that leap and say that like most people out there listening, they haven't experienced unconditional love. Maybe you had like a mom that was a best friend or, you know, whatever. But, you know, unconditional love is loving someone even when you're really pissed at them, loving someone even when they hurt you just loving someone through and through no matter what so you know even if you have a hyperbolic temperament or a temperamental disturbance you're not going to 
you know, feel unconditional love in the same way or experience it in the same way as someone that is neurotypical does. So you have to sort of relearn what that is. And that was, you know, some of the things Devin and I had talked about. And she had this fear of children and youth. CYS here in the state of Pennsylvania is children and youth. So it's like youth services, right? So she would have this fear that children and youth would come and take her daughter. And I would say, you know, like, (laughs) well, do you remember what I would say? I mean, which time? Like, I'm not calling them. What are they going to do? Right. I would say that. And then I would also be like, you know, I bet that your anger is so intense. So we have, like, paranoia with BPD, right? Uh, I would also say, like, I bet that your anger gets so intense sometimes that even though that, you know, there's no need to call them, like, it's not that deep that you feel like it is, right? Yeah. Because you get so angry and so rageful. And that's because someone even child adult whatever but like someone enters our environment with bpd and they make us angry or they do something that we don't expect and then we just want to like unleash on them child or not so feel these emotions you don't know what you're unleashing yeah absolutely so you had to you are still learning right how to have unconditional love yes yeah it's been it's definitely been a struggle with the quarantine 100% it's hard. I mean, when at this point, when I had started seeing Rose, I had just put Quinn into daycare for the first time. We could finally, you know, we're moving up in the world. <laughs> um, she was in, in daycare part-time, so I had a break, uh, and I needed a break, not only just because I needed to get away, but also I had a lot of appointments now, and I could actually go and focus on these appointments and not you know like oh I have to go relieve my mom of Quint or bring her with me um and then I don't know quarantine school's gone I'm with her again 24 7 um and now I have a three-year-old pushing four-year-old and pushing all of the boundaries and buttons all the boundaries and buttons and you know what Another thing for people to know out there listening is like if you have a child and you're in recovery for BPD, you have to remember that for the last however many years you had BPD. So I always tell Devin, you know, this is a child who was raised by an an emotionally intense woman. You, you are intense. So your child is going to press all of the most fun buttons, negative and positive, right? So being in quarantine makes it tough, you know? Yeah. But what's changed for you since you and I have worked together? You know, that's really important for you parenting-wise, BPD-wise, you know, what what's different and what helped? So much. I mean, I've, I've learned what I need to be doing. Like, you know, yeah, I'm going to get angry. Don't dig my heels in. If I can just focus on not digging my heels in, then I don't fully explode. And I, th- that was a very hard thing for me and my partner. Um, and my child, (laughs) um, I, we still live with my mother and she was a big stressor for me. I don't even let her get to me most times now. Um, and if she does, I don't even show it. And that's huge because she wants me to show it. Yeah. Um, I, in terms of parenting, I'm, I'm on the forefront I would like like I that's how I describe it to Anthony of 
you know, fighting that nurture battle. Um, it's something that I'm still learning to do every day. It's something that I can now question myself. Okay, like, I can stop and question myself. Is that nurturing or is that just, you know, what I thought nurturing was? Um, am I angry at her? Okay, yes. Can I, like, can you stop for a second to show her that, like, you still love her? Can you stop and walk away and, like, regain that strength? Um, that's something I can definitely do now. Um, I don't over-explain. Um, I, I, I've learned how to discipline Quinn, and it's still a struggle because now she's learning how we disciplined. I was just talking to Rose about this the other day. She's figuring it out. Yeah. And now she's pushing it even more. And so we're dealing with that now. And I'm trying not to lose my cool. And um, I've learned how to forgive, definitely, and find more joy in situations, even when, you know, the negatives are telling me that, no, no, don't feel that way. Um, you have to focus on the negative. I don't have to do that anymore. I can I can tell that side of me to, you know, shut the F up. And um, it, while it, the thing that I've had to, one of the biggest things I've had to accept is that I'm going to feel that emotion for a while. We, as borderline, go from zero to 100 almost immediately. And while I don't have to keep my I, I, I can keep my emotions from going to 100 they're still gonna get high and it's still gonna bother me and I'm still not gonna want to feel those things um the I think that that's one of the biggest things is that I've learned that I'm gonna feel this for a while but it will go away I can't make it go away I can surround myself with positive things um uh one of which rose got me to do was exercising in an actual gym which even though it's taken away from me right now I've learned how to exercise at home yeah um, it but I I I need to be okay with those emotions otherwise they're not gonna go away absolutely so instead of avoiding them you just kind of wait for them to go away knowing that it will pass you had to trust that that would happen right and when I when wait you wait you don't sit in it, you yeah. know yeah. you can do other things, be mindful of what you're trying to do at the moment, but just let it take its course. Yeah, absolutely. But how did you get there? You know, because that that's the question on everyone's mind. Yeah, you're doing good. You're doing amazing. I mean, I blown away because there were some moments, you know, admittedly. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think that was like the major turning point when it was around my birthday we were writing the letter to my mom okay <laughs> and rose got so mad at me and i'm like what did i do wrong and yelled at me and i was like oh yeah i yelled back at you yeah so that's a thing with people with bpd right we love to make stories in our head and because we're so scared of being rejected or abandoned, those become really real. So Devin had really, really deep-rooted stories. And she wanted me to believe every single one of them. And every time 
I didn't, she would keep going, right? You would keep going and going and going. Like when you would get in fights with Anthony, right? Oh yeah. That's my fiance. Yeah. Or that time you stood up, Devin stood up one time and threw her hairband like across the room. (laughs) She was like yelling. And I was just like, okay, this is why I'm not a therapist. I am a mindset coach. So I stood up and I just like, was like, no, you know, you're being mean because you would turn into a tyrant. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Not only to my daughter, but my fiance. And uh, I think uh, one of the biggest issues was that I, I couldn't control my mom because she had controlled me for so many years. And that kind of, oh my God, yeah. 100%. Yeah, but it wasn't the yelling because, you know, I wasn't like, you know, screaming at you, being abusive. I was more like trying to get you to see. Yeah. Like, I, that was like a big thing was, you know, that I had been through for so long. And whether it's the truth or not, and it's not, I needed to let it go. Otherwise, there was no way that I would move on. I mean, I can, I don't have to have, you know, I don't have to let it go and have this perfect relationship with the people in my life that hurt me, but I have to let the weight off of my back so that I can heal regardless of my relationship with them. Yeah, absolutely. Because no one will ever be able to give us the validation that we're looking for. So if we spend our whole life, look, keep looking for it, we're just going to spend our lives disappointed and in like that angry state, you know? Um... And I, I, like, you know, the other thing was that, like, I, I was a tyrant, and I was forced with the, to face the fact that, like, if I did not change, I wouldn't have anybody. Because I was so, my heels were so dug in on controlling my emotions and not feeling bad that it was controlling everybody around me and, and how they were making me feel and pushing them away. Yeah. That's so powerful. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the journey for a lot of people is to get that person, that therapist, that mindset coach or whatever to almost, it's almost as if like I squeezed your cheeks and I'm like, no, listen to me. You know, you're not wrong. You were never wrong. You're never wrong for feeling the way that you feel because those feelings come from the BPD. They come from what you've been through. The part that's wrong is when you try to hold on to something so tightly or control the world around you so tightly that you become exactly like the people that hurt you you become like so angry that you're now a tyrant you set used to set anthony up to fail right and i think you said something along those lines that because of that i my relationship with my daughter wasn't going to be any different and i think right there in that moment it broke my heart so bad which is what it needed to do. And, um, but it, it, it broke my heart so bad that like, I, I didn't tell anybody about that conversation that Rose and I had. I just, that was it. I, I didn't need to explain that I was going to change because I needed to just do it for myself. Um, but I did it. And then two weeks later, uh, we came back to that conversation and Anthony was like, well, there's been a change. Um, and he didn't even, he didn't know. And I, I didn't want to tell him, but I think we had, we were still, you know, working out the kinks and we weren't perfect in that two weeks and we had a fight. And I was like, this is why I'm trying. I'm actually trying. And you know, like 
I want you to know that. Yeah. Absolutely. And that was maybe what, like three, three months ago. Yeah. That was a little bit ago. I remember that you, I said, you know, if you don't stop acting the way that you're acting towards Quinn, then you would become just like your mother's relationship. It would be the same relationship. Right. But then the next yeah. session after that, you were like different you just were different. Her whole demeanor, everything about her just changed. And she was like, well, I was brushing, brushing Quinn's hair. And usually that was a struggle, but it just wasn't. It was like you were starting to understand that there's more to being a mom than just having battles. There's... And going of the day. Yeah. Yeah, that was a huge turning point, for sure. It was. It was huge. And, I mean... Like, I, I definitely have not, I have not gone back to those moments at all. That was, like, it was just, like, it it was the flip switched, and the light was on. Like, yeah, that's it. Um, I'm still struggling with stuff, 100%. I'm still struggling with, I still have to stop myself from over-talking. Um, I still have trouble playing one-on-one with her. Um, I'm doing the um, imaginary <laughs> stuff, and uh, I swear to God, she's gonna be a novelist. Like her imagination, I can't. <laughs> it's insane. Um, I still struggle with it, um, but you know, like if we stick to a schedule or we do the timers, then that helps. Um, I might start to raise my voice. I can stop myself. It might take a whole sentence, (laughs) but I can stop myself. Um, And if, you know, if you stick to the disciplinary rules, um, then, you know, that's pretty much, it it becomes easy. Yeah. So we defined all of your moral compass, all of your moral values, like in one of the previous episodes, and then Devin hung up all of the definitions and the words, and she hung them all over her house. And then she, we talked about parenting, house rules. We talked mm-hmm. about timeouts. We talked about, you know, all, all of the things that, you know, a quote-unquote normal person would do with parenting that you just don't think about that's helpful with parenting coaching. But there was also that added layer of the core values of, like, what's forgiveness, what's love, what's joy. So that way, every time she had a problem, there's, like, huge pink paper. I think I drew them, right? young paper yeah yeah all over my kitchen all over her house our kitchen yeah where she could go and read the definition and practice it and now I mean it's hard because like you said you're in quarantine and it's new to you and you thought for six years more than that you had BPD you said pretty much your whole life you knew it I knew that like when I figured it out I was like this explains so much I always had the, you know, like, the favorite person. I always had the abandonment issues. I always had, um, I always had the, um, uh, emotional instability. Um, it was just there. It made so much sense. The erratic emotions, the just everything yeah and then you take that on as your identity for six years through pregnancy through these you know tumultuous relationships with people and then you know you meet julie and you start dbt 
and then you meet me and then you know I feel like the thing that I do for people is I just tell the truth and I think that I have to tell the truth sometimes at a loud volume right yes but I told you things even Julie you know I would contact Julie and Julie would say the same things that I had in my head, but she can't say them. That's the thing about therapy, right? Versus like mindset coaching. She just couldn't say the things to your face that she wanted to. Julie is the, um, I'm going to hold your hand and pat you on the back, even when you're not doing it 100%. And Rose is, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, I showed you how to do this. Do it right. You're fighting it too hard. You don't want to change because you won't put the work in. Yeah. One hundred. But it, that's what I needed. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the truth, because no one tells us the truth. Exactly. Nobody, nobody wants to upset us. Nope. So you go through your whole life, and especially like if you've had trauma, you go through your whole life, and nobody tells you the truth. People are just adults are just unsafe, unstable. So then you get therapy, and therapists are awesome, but they're very coddling most of the time. So, you know, I find when people come to me, like, the thing that creates change is being told the truth, being told, like, all the patterns that you do and how that prevents you from getting what you want. Now, if you're comfortable with, like, a life of BPD, that's different, but Devin wasn't comfortable with it. She wanted to be, she want, you want to be a good mom, and you are when you're not angry, and you're working on every time you get angry right like how do i connect with this kid again exactly it's is it not easy i will not say that it is easy but it is the best hardest thing that i've ever had to do it's awesome yeah Um, and before we like move on you give advice for everybody about parenting with bpd and just like you know having bpd and recovery can you just tell people a little bit about your medication journey? Yeah. Um, psychiatrists are very hard for me. <laughs> um, I, When I was a child, a young child, um, probably starting out at the age of five or six, I was, um, put, I was diagnosed with ADHD and depression um, because of my parents fighting. The depression kicked in at a very young age. I don't fully remember it, I def- but I remember talking to my therapist at the time about suicidal thoughts, and I didn't understand what that meant, just that I wanted to take a knife into my room, a big, a big scary knife. Wow, yeah. Um, and uh, so um, I was put on different ADHD medication, um, and I just remember I hate, I've always hated taking medication. I hate it. Um, so I, I think it was around nine or 10 that I asked it to be taken off of it. I was doing good. So, you know, psychiatrists don't, a lot of the time, at least back then, don't want to keep you on medication your whole life. You know, if you can do the work and get better and learn to cope naturally, then that's what, that's what they're going to go for 100%. Um, and then I, I just, I think from that point, it was like, okay, like I'm cured. I don't have ADHD anymore. Um, a lot of psychiatrists as of late have wanted to diagnose me bipolar. I'm not, (laughs) I am not bipolar. Uh, I've, I've talked to a few that don't even agree that 
borderline personality is real. They're full of shit. <laughs> um, That's a whole other episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I was going through this whole thing, trying to figure out what I needed. I was on um, Saraquil because I had been put on Saraquil in high school and it did work. Um, so I went on Saraquil again before I even started talking to Rose. And at first it was great. It was really helping me. Um, and my dosage kept going up as it, as it usually would. And then it was just making me angry. And Rose and Julie had both pointed out that they really thought that I, I wasn't actually over my ADHD. Um, and I didn't really understand what they were talking about until they really started pointing it out. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, and so I went into the psychiatrist that I had been seeing for a while, another one that thought I was bipolar. Um, and she just would not take my answer for it. I had said I wanted I want to be taken off of Seroquel, put on Prozac, and be tested for ADHD so I can get on medication. Okay, well, we'll just lower your Seroquel um, only a little bit. Not as much as we can safely, but I think that you're bipolar, so I want to keep you on a mood stabilizer. Isn't that horrible? And she had been working, that psychiatrist had been working with her therapist at the time and still wouldn't listen to her therapist. I, you know, I even wrote you a letter. Well, this is like later on. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... So it was difficult. It was very difficult. Um, so um, I got weaned down, and I stopped seeing that psychiatrist. Uh, found another uh, psychiatric office, and I still needed to be tested, uh, which was fine, but they couldn't do the testing. Uh, they put me on Prozac, so now I'm on 20 milligrams of Prozac. Um, and... I should soon finally be on Ritalin as well to help my um, ADHD because that definitely feeds into my borderline a lot with the impulsivities Um, and jumping to anger, not being able to control it because especially with a toddler, I have so much going on in my head at all times Um, and gigs makes me anxious what happens when I get anxious I get angry um and so I I need something I need something to quiet all of that going on in my head I mean I can I can only read a book for five minutes before I I I can't even pay attention and I get so frustrated and upset right cooking is hard for me like everything is hard I think that's also one of those things that makes it so hard for me to play with her one-on-one because my brain is so overstimulated. Yeah. I can't, I can't enjoy things. I can't concentrate on what I'm doing. I need to move on to the next thing because there's so much to do. You're easily distracted. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Isn't it crazy though? Even as you tell the story, I never, you know, I have all these like new realizations. I feel like all the time and I'm realizing like, how easy it is 
for you to get, or it was for you to get Seroquel. It was just so easy for that doctor to take up her prescription pad, diagnose you with what she wanted to diagnose you with, and give you an antipsychotic medication. But now that Devin's out there, she's trying to get a psychostimulant for ADHD, right? For an ADHD diagnosis that she had when she was a child, she clearly meets the criteria for ADHD, taking aside the, the borderline personality disorder, like just take it out of the picture for a minute. And she can't get medication. They're putting her through lots and lots of like hoops to try to get mes medication. But yet they would just totally drug you up without issue, right? Yeah, that it made it worse. It made everything worse. The Seroquel. I. It made me so angry. I mean, I got I got lowered finally down to the lowest dose that you can take, and already, I was like, oh my god. Like, I remember like crying to you. Like, I just wasn't angry all the time. Yeah. For the first time in months. Yeah. But no you reason. But you had thought it was working, right? So, like, for all the people out there who are on, like, Seroquel, uh, Geodone, all these combos of meds, like, what would you say to those people who are really dug into the idea that Seroquel's the way? <laughs> I was on Seroquel three times throughout my life. Not all crazy dosages like this last one. I always thought it was helping. Because it makes you drowsy. It has to calm you down. It's so wrong. I don't think I will never take an antipsychotic again. It made everything so much worse. It is they they want to say that borderline is the sister to bipolar, so you have to be on an antipsychotic or something that numbs you down, and it's not true. It it makes it worse for us. Don't I mean I I'm sure that there are people out there that you know it. It does. It's very small fraction. Very small. Mm -hmm. I don't think that it is a helpful drug. I understand why we have to jump through hoops for the type of medication that Ritalin or Adderall is. It's not right. It's not right. I can't. I understand why. But if that's the case, then there needs to be serious testing for antipsychotic drugs because they're just giving it to people. And it is making so, so many people go down in their progress. Yeah, because that's what they think the answer is, right? The answer isn't treatment. It's not being told the truth. It's not changing. It's not looking at yourself. And test for that too. Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. So you're off Seroquel, still doing better. World didn't end. You're taking this very low dose of Prozac and you're still trying to figure out the system so that you can get someone to give you the psychostimulant to see if that will help with your impulsivity. Yeah. Right now, uh, it's just a matter of I've, I've seen a few testing places that would like to charge outrageous prices um, close to or above a thousand dollars. For a test that is going to tell me an answer I already know that I need. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, Rose has been, helped me find another option. So hopefully I'll be looking into that today. Awesome. All right. Cool. So any last, any last words or what do you have to say for people out there who are struggling with BPD, who don't believe in recovery and who also are parenting? 
I don't think that's talked about much at all. No, it's not because everybody's too scared. I think everybody has a little bit of that CYS or social services fear. Yeah. Um, one, you, you can get better. Don't listen to the psychiatrists and psychologists who tell you that BPD is not real. Do not listen to those who tell you that there's no way to get better. Those people have been taught by the wrong people. Um, they have not seen it firsthand. Um, they, they just don't care enough. Immediately find a new doctor, 100%, because I don't care if that's all you can afford. They're not going to help you, so you're just wasting your money. Um, you can get better, and it took me finding Rose and Julie to understand that. I mean, even Rose, really. Like, I remember her telling me that she, finally, when she told me she had it, I overcame it. You can get better. And I was like, bitch, please. (laughs) Like, you're talking to me. Okay, you're crazy if if that's what you think. Um, Until, you know, we really started going through the motions and I could see that she really did overcome it. Um keep listening to this podcast and following because she has some of the best advice. I don't think a lot of people that have BPD and that are in her position want to give out that advice because there's so many, you know, rules and regulations of how a mindset coach or a therapist, psychologist, counselor, psychiatrist (laughs) are told to act and told to say, um, and that's just not true anymore. It's not. We're learning how to overcome it. You know, just like they have new information about other diseases every day, they have new information about this every day. And we can be different. We can get better. There is a way out. Um, stop listening to all of the you know, borderline forums and stuff where people say, oh, no, we're not getting better. I'm this old and I didn't get better. You didn't put in the work. You didn't. I'm sorry if that offends anybody, but you didn't. You didn't find the right person to help you put in the work. Um, and with parenting, I think, I, th- I mean, on a certain note, I want to say, you know, stop beating yourself up but at the same time if I had not beat myself up to a certain degree I would have never changed I was not a good parent I was verbally and emotionally abusive I now have a great relationship with my monster toddler (laughs) (laughs) as best as it can probably be for any parent at this time in their lives Um, I have learned how to be a better parent than my parents were, than their parents were, and who knows how many generations it was affected by borderline, um, and generational trauma. You can overcome it, and to a certain degree, do not beat yourself up, because you can change, but beat yourself up enough to change. Awesome. Because you can. Awesome. 
Thank you so much. That's so, so powerful, all the things you're saying. Thank you. Yeah. I'm so grateful to have you had have had you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. I this was this was great. I'm glad that I can, you know, shed some light for others who are who are going through what I did go through. Yeah. You're, I mean, just incredible. Like, Devin's story is incredible. We'll have to have you back on, you know, in the future to talk about more about Quinn and more about, like, you being nurtured as a mom. And then maybe, you you know, I can share some of my stories that I've shared with you and my you parents. Have very a lot of in common. Yeah. Yep. And we can laugh about it now. But. <laughs> we can. All right. Awesome, Devin. Well, we definitely have future episodes together and you have a lot of work to do. So hopefully, you know, we can kind of follow your journey and have you back on soon. Thanks again. Thank you, Rose. Bye. Are you tired of feeling frustrated? resentful or disconnected from your family, friends, and partner? Thrive Mind Body LLC Mindset Coaching and Counseling can help you. Visit us on the web at thriveonlinecounseling.com. Again, that's thriveonlinecounseling.com. And receive 10% off your first session pack with coupon code THRIVE10. See you then. Okay, thanks for listening. That was from Borderline and Beautiful, a production of Thrive Mind Body LLC, online coaching that helps frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at thriveonlinecounseling.com. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or any app that you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from the last episodes, and I'd love to hear whatever questions you have, too. Just download the Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. We'll have all those links in the show description. Okay, we made it. Thanks again for listening. I'm Rose Skeeters, and I'll be back next week with another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Talk to you then.